mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, as we move through this evangelist's testimony of the life of Jesus. Um, now, this is the last chapter, really, of what's commonly called the Upper Room Discourse. If you remember, um, the last time I taught John 16, I spent three weeks on verse 1. And I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to do that this time, but it is very important that we understand what's going on in the Bible and in the world, and God is trying to instruct us. So we started in verse or chapter 13, if you'll remember. That's the upper room discourse where it begins. They're in the upper room, and Jesus takes off his outer garment, and he washes the disciples' feet. Of course, them and their pride, they're sitting there arguing over who is supposed to wash the feet. And it was the, the job of the lowest servant in the house, but they borrowed the house. You know, Jesus came and was everything that he had, he borrowed because he owns everything, but he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He came with nothing. He was homeless. You know, the birds of the air have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. People would go home at night and he would go away to a solitude place and, and, and spend time with God. But he wasn't worried about it. He knew what he was doing. And so in 13... When they're in the upper room, the boys are arguing over who's the greatest. And so Jesus, who is God, very God with us, just takes off his outer garment and starts washing their feet. And that's really, it's a picture of what he's done. Your feet is always your walk. It's your life. And, and so we're down here, not even knowing that we're lost. We're down here, and, and we think we got it going on, and we know everything, and we're good. And, and Jesus comes and tells us, wait a minute. You're dirty. You're unclean. You're all confined to the same place. None righteous. No, not one. You're all unrighteous. And I'm going to come down here as God and die for you. I'm going to come down here and wash your feet. I'm going to wash and cleanse you. And he does it by his word. And we're going to see that this morning. But that's where it started at. And then he, as he gets finished, he says, this is an example. As I have loved you, love one another. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How in the world are we going to, I mean, it's pretty easy to wash somebody's feet. Just go, those are pretty gnarly, but I'm going to wash your feet. And, but it doesn't do any good. But how can we love people and receive them where they're at? And it has to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as you move into 14, you know, he tells us that, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. And where I go, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, I will come to, to get you. And, and, and I just paraphrase that. But he's coming back to get us. 
But meanwhile, what are we going to do? You just gave us a command to wash people's feet, to follow your commands, to be like you, and you're leaving. So he introduces us to the Holy Spirit. Just as the Father sent him, he follows the Father's pattern, and he's sending us the Holy Spirit to teach us, to direct us, to guide us, to lead us, to teach us how to love people where they're at. And as we do that, I mean, it's, it's one thing to have the Holy Spirit, but you have no resources unless you're chapter 15. You abide in the vine. So he comes and he says, I, the last of the seven I am's, I am the true vine of Israel. And you need to abide in the vine. You need to abide in me because you can't bear any fruit unless you're attached to the vine. You have to be getting all your resources from heaven, from heavenly places, from God, uh, and he sent his son Jesus. So you're abiding in the vine. And, and the verse that most people memorize is six, or 15, 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in him, you can bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And most people would say, well, I've been doing some stuff. Yeah, but you can do nothing of any spiritual good. You can grow no fruit. And the only place you can end up is in hell. You can't do anything um, unless you are attached to the vine, and that is Jesus, because there's salvation in no other name but in the name of Jesus. And so after he tells them that, then he tells them, of course, about the world hating us. That's where we really closed last week, about the world hating us. But why did, would they hate us? They hate us because they first hated him. Because why? Because he came and spoke to them. He, he spoke to them about their sin, and then he did miracles in front of them, and then they did not believe. So they have the sin of unbelief, and that's the sin that will send you to hell when you will not believe that God loves us. And when he had closed, he said, they hated me without a cause. There was no reason to hate him. You're thinking about it. We're lost. We have nothing. We think we have something. He comes and knocks on our door, and we're going to get this in chapter 16. And he convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And that's going to be next week's lesson, God willing. And, and then he says, wait a minute. I'm going to die for you. I'm the God of the universe that spoke creation into existence. And I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to save you from hell's fire and from punishment and people go we hate you we hate you well see they don't say that but what do they do they go on and they don't believe him and they choose barabbas we choose something else to worship we choose somebody else that we know is not good barabbas means son of the father remember that when jesus stood trial before pilate and they said well what do you want us to do with this jesus crucify him but see, they were stirred up by people that were telling them lies. Because 1 John 5, 19 says, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of wickedness. So all of the world systems, everything that's going on outside of this Bible, outside of the truth and the spirit of God and the revelation that God has given us is there purposely to make you stumble and never believe in God. To make you stumble. But here's God and he says, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it's the goodness of God. I died for you. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost and give you a hope and a future, a new home. I love you. See, because a lot of people, somebody asked me, why don't you preach more on, on hell? Well, you know, the, the, the only thing that Jesus preached more on hell was money. But 
He purposely wants us to understand it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. Repentance is metanoia, changing our mind. We're going in one direction, we change our direction. We change our mind, we change our opinion. And that's what the Word of God does is it washes us, it cleanses us, it changes the way we think about everything when He opens our eyes. So, He says, I love you. And then they hated him without a cause. They chose Barabbas, the son of the father, the one that they knew the testimony. They, did, they, they weren't sure about Jesus because all they had to do was say, where were you born at? Hey, 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 where were you born at? Even the religious leaders. Now, we're going to see this because this is what this is going to be. This chapter is going to be about this. It's the church. It's the religious people that are going to bring this persecution that we're getting ready to talk about. See, everybody always acts like the world is our enemy, but the church is much more of an enemy to us than anything. Our, ourselves, our three enemies is, is, is Satan, the world, and self. But self is the one. Self-deception is the one you need to be aware of. When your eyes are open, now you have a choice, and yet you choose to self-deceive yourself. And so then we begin to follow church that's, de that's deceiving us. We begin to follow people that say, oh, I'm of God, and I know who God is, and here, follow this way. And we follow the easy path, right? We follow what makes it feel good. We follow what makes our flesh feel good. But think about the death that he suffered for us. That wasn't, that wasn't uh, an easy death to be beaten, to be crucified. No, let's back up. Let's back up before he was ever uh, uh, beaten, how about just be betrayed? Every one of us has suffered betrayal. Somebody has betrayed us in life, and he was betrayed by the people he came to die for. He was betrayed by his firstborn nation. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, his character, his nature, his power, his authority. You have to believe in him. And the sin that sends people to, to hell is unbelief. And that's what the Holy Spirit is convicting us of. He, he, he reveals Jesus to us, and then he says, you need to believe. You need to trust him. He's got you. And then we say, no, we hate him without a cause. We're going to choose Barabbas. I like the murderer. I like the insurrectionist. Why is that? Because we're, if, if we don't choose Jesus then we're sons of the murderer from the beginning. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. He's the one put murder in Cain's heart to kill his brother because he didn't want him to follow God. He didn't want him to obey God and bring a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. So we need to wake up. God's not doing anything new. And he comes and Jesus begins to speak to them uh, as we close this chapter of 15 out uh, that they hate. They hated me without a cause. And, and listen, if they hated him, they're going to hate his witnesses. They're going to hate us. That's why John the Baptist's head was cut off. Right? They hated him. But what happened? See, even in that, even in that, Herod didn't want to kill him. Herod knew something was up. He's like, man, this guy is speaking something. I don't know what it is, but let me put him in a prison cell, keep him where I want him, and I'll just keep him over here in this one area, and I'll leave him there. And if I want to hear him at an opportune time, I'll bring him back out, and I'll go, huh. You know, and he just kept playing with it, right? Kept playing with it. Wouldn't make a decision. And, and, and today is the day for salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week. Let's keep the word of God in a box somewhere. And, and it's God, very God, that's, that's speaking. And what happened? 
His wife was his brother's wife, and that's what the whole point was. John had said, hey, Herod, it's not lawful for you to be in sexual immorality like that. You've married your brother's wife. And so it made her, Herodias, made her mad. And so here comes the daughter, Herodias' daughter, it'd be Herod's step, stepdaughter, or niece, really, dances before him, and it pleased him and his, his, his drunken buddies so much, he says, I'll give you anything you want, up to half my kingdom. And of course, she went back to mom and said, what should I ask for? And she said, John the Baptist's head on a platter. See, he had been keeping him there. He wouldn't make a decision. He wouldn't, he wouldn't choose God and the witness that was coming from John the Baptist. And then it was too late. The head was cut off of the witness. And his disciples came and took away the body. So the persecution's coming. The hate is coming. And, and when you look around in the world today and you go, man, that's crazy. They're canceling everything. They're doing this. They're, no, no, no. They're hating God without a cause. They hate God. It's not, it's not cancel culture. It's called death culture. It started in the garden and it goes all the way through until God says, okay, I, I've loved long enough. The time's up. I, I've offered my love. I've offered my salvation. But now I'm going to bring vengeance Justice is going to be meted out for those who rejected me and uh, the, sin, the, the, the enemies of the cross will all go through tribulation first to bring out the rest of his bride, the nation of Israel and other tribulation saints. And then there's going to be the white throne judgment where one day every knee will bow to the praise of his glory. And there'll, be, and there'll be those that were weeping and gnashing their teeth cast into hell. So what do we do when we know our friend Jesus wants to tell us, he doesn't want us to be servants anymore, we're his friends, he wants to tell us everything, and he says, they hated me without a cause, they're going to hate you, you're, not, you're like, what in the world's going on, what did I do? Well, you represent Jesus. Well, how are we going to get through this? The Holy Spirit. So he brings it up again, listen. Listen, he's preparing us. That's why I encourage you every week, get in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship. God gave me one proverb years ago. Our struggles today will be our strengths for tomorrow. Whatever you're struggling with today, you're not just struggling with it by accident. You're struggling with it because God is magnifying it in your life. He's wanting you to struggle with it. And when you look to him, he's going to give you strength to get through it. And then it's going to be what he uses you in in the future. He's preparing you for that very thing. And you think, man, this is a problem. This is bad. This is evil. This hurts. And God's going to use the very thing that hurts you the most as your gifting in the future. He'll use it to, to, to strengthen you if you look to him. Or you can look to the world. You can look to medication. You can look to something else. And you can die in your sins and go to hell. It's up to you. So he says, I'm going to help you. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit to wash and cleanse you, to take you through the word, to remind you of what's going to happen, to prepare you for when it comes tomorrow, you'll already be prepared. You know it's coming because he's telling us it's coming. Listen, it's getting ready to come in, in, in a big way. It's getting ready to come in a big way. They're, they're, they're storing up all the food shelves. They're stopping all the food lines. They're killing cattle. They're killing everything. And, and, and everybody says, follow the money. I'm telling you, you can follow the money all you want. But when you don't have anything to eat, you'll do exactly what they tell you to do. 
and it mimics or follows uh, the days when Joseph was in Egypt and they sold their very soul to those that had the food. And they brought them in from the, from the country and they took all their land and they brought them in uh, to Egypt and they had them all under control, under their power because they, their bellies were hungry. And that was the world government that did that. God allowed it in his sovereignty. In fact, he, he allowed it in his sovereignty and Joseph was number two in, the, in, in Egypt. Orchestrating it because there's people that hear the truth and they won't believe the truth. Listen, so God's allowing it sovereignly to happen even today. There's nobody doing anything on the planet that God can't stop. He's, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's everywhere. But he allows it so that every person makes their free will choice of what they're going to do. And he confirms their heart. And it doesn't matter what a person says out of their mouth. It matters how they act. Just like the book of Acts is, is the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles that gives us an example of people that are being led by the Spirit. Not people that are being led by the world and the lying prophets of rock and roll and, and the lying prophets of the daily news and the lying prophets of the lying church that's making up their own kingdom. You need to listen to what the Spirit says to the church. That's a love relationship with somebody that's betrothed to God, and the Spirit comes in and seals you and begins to prepare you for that day so that when you get to heaven, you're not just going to get to heaven and go, well, the pastor told me, but you're going to have fruit. You're going to be clothed in robes of righteousness, and you're going to be ready to walk down the aisle with Christ at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Because you're allowing the Holy Spirit today to adorn you in Christ's likeness, the fruit of righteousness. And so he says here in 1526, as he closed out, after he told him they would hate him, 18 to 25, but when the helper, anybody need a helper? In our pride, we're like, I don't need no help. Back up. I got this. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify, he will give witness, he will martyreo, he will become one that points to Jesus. He will testify of me, Jesus speaking, red letters, 27, and you also will bear witness why? Because, here's the channel, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now listen, this is, he's speaking specifically to those 11 disciples. Remember, Judas has already went out. Chapter 13, he went out and it was dark because he would not listen to what? Jesus' word. His heart was tied on silver. How sad that is when your heart is tied on money and silver when Silver represents salvation. And you can choose one or the other. You can't serve both. You'll, either serve, you'll love one and hate the other. That's, the Bible's very clear. If, you, if you're serving silver, you hate God. If you're serving God, you're going to hate silver because you see what it's doing to other people. Doesn't mean we don't use it for the, for the means. We're supposed to be wise as serpent and gentle as doves, but we're not supposed to let it own us. We're supposed to let Jesus own us because he bought us with his precious blood. So the Holy Spirit's going to come and help us get through 
We'll get through what? Now, pretend like there's no chapters, there's no verses. Pretend like there's nothing here because in the original scroll, it was just a scroll that was rolled out. And the reason we have numbers and chapters is so I can say, turn to John 16, 1. And now you know where to turn to. But when they would do it in their culture, they would just start reading. Like here, I hear 16, 1. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they do not know the Father nor the Son nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. And I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to try to, to go too far into this. I would love for you to read ahead and be ready for next week because it gets really good where the Holy Spirit's going to convict or reprove of sin and righteousness and judgment. But let's pray. Father, help us to understand these words that you've spoken to us down the corridors of time we know you spoke to your disciples but your living word speaks to our hearts even yet still today let it be planted let it grow fruit let us be prepared and ready for those who hate us by the power of your spirit so that we can still be witnesses and testify of your goodness even as they hate us even as they crucify us or whatever they do just as you did, you said, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Lord, help us to understand that, that when they're blind, they know not what they do. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us as your vessels to reach others and to be martyreos, just as the Holy Spirit's want to use us for, to go out and be evidence of who you are. Open this word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's look here at 16 because we know that it's coming 16.1 these things tau tau I have spoken now, now this is not the normal word for spoken this is le, 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 or excuse me le, leo it means to talk uh, it means to give testimony uh, it, 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 it means I'm trying to find it. Utter words. You're like, really? That's pretty profound there. Somebody spoke and they were uttering words. What else would they be doing? Listen, I, listen. you have to understand that anytime Jesus is talking or he's pointing at his word, you remember that, that that's how he created the heavens and the earth. He spoke. And when you hear that truth and you believe that truth and you don't believe evolution, but you believe that God literally is God, very God, and he can speak and create universes, it, your picture of who he is is so much bigger. Your belief in him grows because now he speaks. He spoke and created you in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were there. And you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And even now, after how many thousands of years, they're just finding out that your DNA, God's allowing them to find this out, by the way. See, because if he had not come and showed us all these truths, we would have no sin. If he had not come and did all these works in front of us, we would have no unbelief. But he did right in front of us. And today, science is proving that DNA is a spoken language. 
And now science is trying to take stuff and attack that language so they can steal us from God. They're trying to cut it in half. And I'm not going to go there. We've been there. But it's a language. Well, why? Because God spoke. Shouldn't it be a language? I can't believe that book is there. Who wrote that book? I don't know. Somebody spoke and wrote it down. No, they did not. I can't know. That's just a Western. That's not nothing. Well, somebody wrote it down. And we'll sit around and read a secular book and believe it. We'll sit around and read a secular newspaper and believe it, what they're telling us. But we won't believe the God who created the heavens and the earth. The one who is truth incarnate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he's come to save us. And we'll hate him without a cause. Nah, I don't want to do that. I hate him. I hate him. I don't want to do that. Not going to do that. That would be too good. I'd rather be stumbling around. Listen, why did he write this? Why is he spoken? Laleo. Why is he talking? Listen, I'm going to tell you something that's really, really amazing. If you stop long enough and you wait and you're patient and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you and give you discernment, when you hear what people are talking about, you know where their heart's at. Listen to me. This is a very profound thing. When you hear them saying, I, 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 me, 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 you hear them talking, you know where their heart's at. It's, 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 it's very interesting. See, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. And what happened? The Word, 1.14, come to earth and took flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Son, full of grace and truth. And what did he do? He spoke of the kingdom of God. This is the heart of God that we're seeing here as he speaks to them. And what does he want to do? He says, I'm telling you this to protect you. I want you to understand my word so you know what's coming, so you won't stumble. You won't be offended is actually the Greek. You won't be offended. But it means a cause to walk away, a cause to say, well, God never loved me, and just to walk away, as many do. I tried that Jesus thing, didn't help me none. Listen. God has spoken, and no matter what you're going through in life, He still loves you. He allows you to go through that to, to prove you, to try you, to shape your character, to bring you to a place where you're at the end of yourself, and you have nowhere to go but to cry out to Him. And yet the world system and the Antichrist system, they want to take people and help them stay where they're at. They, when they're falling and falling, they want to catch them and go, we'll just hold you right here. You're allowed to be whatever you want. The schools in Lafayette have litter boxes in the bathrooms because people want to be a cat. They want to identify as a cat. So we let them do that when we know it's nonsense. And we think that's good to let somebody be what they want instead of tell them the truth. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't be a cat. Why? Because you're a human. You're a boy, you're a girl, the only two things that God ever created. That's called love. Speaking the truth is called love. Letting somebody do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, and never saying nothing is like going to hell. I don't care about you. And listen, most of the biggest atheists will tell you the same thing. If you think you got the cure for cancer and you hide it, how could you love any of humanity? But if you have the answer to life, and you speak it whether they want to hear it or not, that's love. 
And that's what Jesus did. And they hated him without a cause. He came and told them about the kingdom of God. He came and was the heart of God on the planet. And his heart, what he's saying is that he actually presents truth no matter what they do. And he knows they're going to kill him. He knows they're going to choose Barabbas. When he instituted communion in the upper room, he gave thanks for it and knew his body was going to be broken. His blood was going to be spilled. But he also said, for this purpose I have come. Do you know why God has spoke to you? Why did he speak you in existence? What's your gifts and talents and abilities? What does the Holy Spirit want to do through you? How does, how does God want to take all in the past? Listen, because the devil means it for bad, but God means it for good. Everything in your past that's, that's hurt you, broken you, caused you to, to feel bad and be angry and mad and, and, and hate people or hate God, how are you going to let God use all of that for his glory? as you become his trophy of grace and let him set you on a mantle and put you in front of people. I mean, you can keep blaming the dog that bit you if you want. Yeah, but when I was 10, a dog bit me and I ain't ever be able to do nothing now. And I'm sorry for the mocking voice, but that's what the world wants you to do is to be a victim all of your life and blame everybody else. That's good old-fashioned sin. That's what Adam did. That's what Eve did. It's that woman you gave me. The devil made me do it. Quit blaming and stand up. And God's already spoken. He doesn't want us to keep doing the same thing over and over. Listen, listen. He's speaking to his disciples. He's not speaking to the world. Remember in 14, he said, how are you going to do that, Jesus? How are you going to come and show yourself to us, but you won't show yourself to the world? Holy Spirit. When you believe, when you stop fighting God and you surrender, the Holy Spirit seals you until the day of promise. So now the teacher, God himself, comes and lives in your heart. The one who came to seek and to save that which is lost. And he begins to tell you from inside of you and knock down walls and do home makeover. And he's restoring you into the bride that he wants you to be. And he begins to change you from the inside out. Our memory verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. I think it's close. It's a paraphrase. That's what's going on. As you let the outside die and you quit worrying about the pride and the vanity and what the outside is, what this flesh that's going to, it's all made to die. It's a tent. It's an earthly tent. It's going to rot. It stinks. That's why we take baths. It rots every day. But the Spirit is going to live somewhere for eternity. And it's being renewed. And it can only be renewed by the Spirit of God who gives newness of life and allows you to walk in the newness of life. And He teaches you truth. But the Antichrist Spirit is lying to us. And I keep telling people, I go, you know what they do? They start on page three on everything. And if you're falling for their page three stuff, you need to wake up. And they just say, this is truth. And you go, wait a minute. How did you get to that conclusion? I want to see page one and two. You're starting on page three and just demanding that I believe that a, that a little boy can be a cat if he wants to be. Are we really that crazy and delusional today that we think we can change this stuff? See, only, the only people that are believing this stuff is the people that hate God. Anybody else knows that a little boy cannot be a cat. And it's actually child abuse to let him think he's a cat. 
See, we used to play like that as kids, cowboys and Indians. We weren't really cowboys and Indians. It's called playing. But life is real, and it's about your soul. And if you're playing on a playground, this is a battlefield. This is a battleground for your soul, for your eternity. And it's time to wake up and rise from your sleep. And Christ will give you light and truth, and he'll come in and live in you. And then you can see then that you walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I used to tell my wife that. I said, I'd tell her, I just wish I'd have met you sooner so we could have spent more time together. I wish I would have come to Jesus sooner, but everything in his time, so that I could have been telling more people about Jesus. More people. When, I, when Jesus was shared with me in the county jail in 1983 and I give my life to Christ, uh, uh, Greg, uh, uh, I'm not going to mention his name, I'll quit. The guy named Greg, though, he shot a man four times in the back over on 18th Street in Lafayette and killed him in a drug deal. And he shared Jesus with me, and I got saved, and I went to prison. I didn't share Jesus with nobody because I wasn't discipled. I didn't know the Word of God. I wasn't set free. I still wanted to live for me. And I go, Lord, I wish I would have been able to share Jesus with people in prison. And that's where I feel the most anointed. When I, when I, that's why I get a little bit excited when the county jail calls me. That's why I get a little bit excited when I get to talk to somebody that's been in prison. But unless the Spirit of God opens a man's eyes, a woman's eyes, they ain't going to be open. It's a spiritual. This is a spiritual book. You read it in the flesh, and you'll still pursue your own life. But we should judge thus, that if one died, all died. And he who died for us, we should not live for ourselves anymore, but we should live for him. 2 Corinthians 5, it's in there. I don't know what verse it is. It's like... Five, six, seven, and eight, something like that. So, anyway, listen to me. God has spoken. Notice it's past tense. He's not saying anything else. When he hung on the cross, remember him hanging on the cross? And he said, Tetelestai. It is finished. God has nothing more to say to earth, to this planet. He's done everything. Actually, it's what they put to Telestai on their receipts when you would pay your bill. It means paid in full. We translate it, it is finished, but it means paid in full. That's the purpose he came, was to pay for our sin nature, to pour out his blood so that, that the Father would receive a sacrifice and pay for our sin. And then he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He gave us his place. He died in our stead. He made atonement so that we could be at one with God. He's spoken. If it's new, it's not from God. And if it's from God, it's not new. He's the ancient of days. Listen to me. Very important. There's so much stuff on the internet, the unholy spirit. That's what I call it. It's saving all your stuff. It's preaching to everybody it's the big voice out there if you're not listening quietly to the holy spirit then you're being led by the unholy spirit which is the spirit of antichrist and don't miss that in the old testament after they took jericho and gave everything to god the next city was a very small city but it was called ai 
and they couldn't take it because sin was in the camp. And they weren't listening to God. They didn't ask God. They weren't listening to God's word. They didn't pray and ask him, how should we take that city? If you want to be defeated by AI and the unholy spirit, you just keep ignoring God. But if you want to go out and be a witness, a martyr rail, like the Holy Spirit wants to do with you, then you stop listening to the world and you ask God, what are you saying to the church? The church is not this building. This building is going to burn. The church is living stones. It's the ecclesia. It's the ones that are called out from the world. And we get our oxygen. We get our truth. We get everything from our God in heaven because our citizenship is there. That's where I'm going to spend eternity is with him. This stuff down here doesn't matter. The gold and the silver is building materials in heaven. It's building materials. So God has spoken. And he doesn't have anything else to say because he's already completed it all. Now the only choice is, is our free will. Are we going to believe him or not believe him? Do you understand that they're going to hate you if you believe him? See, most people go, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and, and he's got me a new life, and I, everything's going perfect. Wait a minute. You might have the wrong Jesus. If your life is going perfect, it's harder to follow Jesus than it is to run around in the flesh and do anything you want. So the, when somebody gives you a gospel that's crossless, it's painless, it's, it's health, wealth, and prosperity, everything's going to go good, they're giving you the wrong gospel. Jesus himself said, they hated me, they'll hate you. They persecuted me, they'll persecute you. It's not the gospel. If you're speaking the truth in love, they're going to say, I'm afraid of him, I hate him, there's something wrong with him, I don't want to talk to him, get away from him, them. Unless, of course, you have the Spirit of God in you and you go, wow, let's all come in together as the body of Christ and let's be equipped to go out and serve God in the newness of life. God has already spoken. His heart is revealed that he doesn't want any to perish, but all come to salvation, all to come to repentance, all to change their mind and stop following the spirit of this world and begin to be led by his loving spirit that prepares us and protects us and teaches us and washes us and cleanses us from all sin so that we can walk down that aisle with him at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Isn't that amazing? I'm, a, I'm amazed by it. I was chief of sinners. You did not want to know me before I knew Jesus. You did not want to know me. Ask some people. I'm not trying to boast in the flesh. I'm just telling you. I wasn't very nice, but it was all, it, it was all worth every bit of it to know my God the way I know him today, to be able to receive Jesus. Nothing compares to the glory that we're going to receive when we're with him. None of the pain, none of the suffering. You can trust him. He's spoken. So he says, these things I have spoken to you. Notice it's personal. It's to you. Listen, listen, right now, I'm speaking to a whole room of people, but God's speaking to you. And what you get from this sermon goes out. God knows what he's doing. I don't have to worry about that. 
I don't have to worry about that. I have to come up here by faith and exercise my gift and begin to talk about the scriptures. And God is the one that takes his sword and thrusts it into your heart. And he cuts away. He builds up. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. No matter what I think about myself, no matter what you think about yourself, what's important is what God thinks about you. He's going to be the final judge and his son died for you, so you don't have to be judged if you just believe him. It's amazing. I mean, come on. That's why they call it amazing grace. Well, some people call it amazing grace for that reason. Some people call it because they like costume jewelry and trinkets and religion. But I don't, I don't want to go out anywhere thinking it's because of who I am. Because it's not about anything that I have done. It's about everything that Jesus done. Everything about this life is about the testimony of God wanting fellowship with his creation that freely chooses him because he first chose us. He loved us and now he wants to teach us how to love him and love others. And that can only happen as you abide in the vine and listen to the Holy Spirit and the helper comes and you say, yeah, I'm a knucklehead. I'm a sinner. Yeah. That was real dumb, Lord. I, I Forgive me. And he continues to teach you and use you in spite of yourself. And listen, when you come to Christ, you're the number one enemy. Because now you have free will choice. Once your eyes are open, you have free will choice. Am I going to obey God or obey my flesh? Follow something else. Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve an idol? No excuse. And that's why he's telling them their sin is because he came. He presented himself. He fulfilled the scriptures. He clearly did everything that this people was waiting for. They were telling people it was coming. And then when he came and he did it, they go, nah, we don't want to lose our nation. We don't want to lose our place. Nah, he's going to have to die. Crucify him. That's delusion. But God allowed it. Because he'll allow you to make your own decision whether you want to have life or death. It's, it's right before you. You can choose life. He's spoken. And why did he speak? Again, the whole, the 66 books by 40 authors, 66 books by 40 authors, all telling the same testimony. He still has it in here today so that you and I can learn. We can grow. We don't have to walk in and do the same things that other people did. It's written as an example for us so that we would not have to do what everybody else has done. Well, think about it. When you, if you're a parent, this is the father here doing this. He sent his son, and then he said, the son sent the Holy Spirit so we don't go through the hatred that he went through, right? Listen, it's you as a parent going, my goodness, I already went through all that. I'm trying to tell you, son, don't do that. If you swing and hit the wrong nail with the hammer, it's going to hurt. So hold it like this, and you get why can't he just listen? But God doesn't get frustrated, see. So he gives us children, and he wants us to train them and have patience with them and be like him in that and loving and kind. We're not there to beat them. We're there to train them in the way that they're supposed to go. And that's what he wants to do with his Holy Spirit is to train us to be like his son because every father wants a son to be like him. And Jesus was perfectly like the Father in heaven. He was the heart of God. And he perfectly gives it to us. And then he privileges us to go. He's like, here, Greg, you knucklehead. Go out and be me to the masses. I'm like, what? 
Go out and love people and wash their feet like you did. Are you kidding me? Sure, I can do that. Come on, let's go do it. That's how you always take off. And then you go, ooh, their feet stink. And you, get to, you start to get bowed down. God bows you down with the things you go through. And you go, wow, I can't go out and do this without God. And I don't want to go do it without God. And I don't want to go to places and waste time. Redeeming the time means making the most of the time. So when you're off over here talking to these people that don't even want to hear it, you're over there doing this and, and doing that and building this and man's little stuff. And, and over here, people are waiting, going, I ain't never heard the gospel. Somebody talk to me about the gospel. And the Holy Spirit wanted to lead you left, and you're going right because of your own esteem. Listen, the gospel's true whether you listen to it or not. And most of the church doesn't. We, go, we call ourselves the church. I'm the church. I believe. Well, the demons believe, and they tremble. They do nothing to obey God. In fact, they're the ones stumbling everybody, offending everybody. A verse like this is what I got saved by when I married my wife. Luke, is it Luke 17? Anybody got that quote? I think Michael might be teaching. Luke 17, 1 and 2. Offenses will come. But, it's, but he says in 17, 2, it's better that a millstone be tied around your neck and cast into the ocean than to cause one of my little ones to stumble. Same word, cause one of my little ones to be offended. Because the word offended means, the word offended means to entrap. It's stumble here in our text in the New King James. It means to trip up, to entice to sin, uh, to apostasy or displeasure, be displeasing to God. That means that not living by faith. That means not following God. See, because you can't be pleasing to God without faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for you first must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But there's people out there trying to stumble. Even in the church, they're teaching falsely. They're building their own kingdom, and they act like God's broke. All right, lock the door. We're going to take up another tithe. God's broke. God's not broken. He's not concerned about money. He's concerned about your soul. He gave His Son to save your soul, not to get money. He already owns everything. And he chose not to, re, not to use any of those resources when he was here. That's why it says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That's why the dove come back to the ark, no place to lay its head with all that death out there. All that death out there. The raven went out and it was fine. Dead carcasses, woo! Listen, listen, that's a, that's a I mean, I'm, I don't mean to be like way off the topic, but that's what witnessing is about. If you can go into the world and go, I'm just being a witness, and you can go out there like a raven feasting on dead carcasses and living with them when they're on their way to hell and you're not concerned about their soul, that's not the love of God and the heart of God that will wash the feet of people that are dying. But it's when you come back to God and you go, Lord, this is crazy. They're, they don't understand. They're not listening. What do we do? And you begin to pray for souls. And you begin to understand that prayer is more important than anything. And then who am I praying to? I'm going to read the word so I'll know. And then I'm going to fellowship with people that are like-minded, that are trying to save souls. 
Because feasting on them dead carcasses is doing nothing but making me more dead. And then I begin to believe everything that they say out there instead of believe God. That's why you have a record number of, of, of children that are born in the church saying, I'm walking away from God. All the Christian rock bands are walking away from God. We don't believe in God anymore. No, you never did believe in God. You never did. You can't. I mean, you don't become a cheeseburger by sitting in McDonald's. I'm not a cheeseburger anymore because I'm now over at Chick-fil-A. Now I'm a chicken. Seriously, it just doesn't work. I mean, I hope you're following my analogy. You don't sit in McDonald's all day long and become a cheeseburger. And so it doesn't matter whether you was born in the church and talked about the church. None of us. I was, I was raised in prison, but I'm not a prisoner anymore. I've been set free by the Spirit of God. And if he puts me back in prison to share the gospel, that's what I'll do freely. Look in the Bible. That's where Paul writes most of his letters from, is in prison for the kingdom of God, for sharing truth. Bondage. I'm getting a little excited up here. What's making you stumble? Listen, what's making you stumble? God has already spoken. He's told us what's going on. He's told us all the truth. He shines a light. My word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So it shows you right where you're standing at. And then you go, wow, I'm standing there. And then you go, oh, there's the light. Well, let's follow the darkness. Men hate light. They want to follow darkness. But God says, just follow me and I'll lead you out of here. I'll lead you into heaven. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What's stumbling you? You ever stumble? You ever get up out of, out of bed at night and it's dark and you bump into something and you go, what? No! What was that? Lego? Just so happens Lego is Logos. That's where it comes from building a discourse together it's the word of god legos the plan of god that's where they get that from and then they're trying to create their own little toys in this little playground down here to be entertained instead of listening to the true logos of god and learning to walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship of one another and then we know we're his children serious stuff guys people are going to die and go to hell and god didn't want anybody to go to hell So what's making you stumble? Because the truth has already been revealed in Christ. And if the Spirit leads us, you'll never stumble. Look what he says. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Uh-oh. To make or do. To be made to stumble. So somebody's trying to stumble you. Somebody's trying to steal your inheritance. Somebody's trying to take your fruit. Somebody's trying to tell you, here's an easier way, Greg. Just, just read this book here. Here's the 10 points that God's making. And if you read this book, it, it gives you an outline of what you need to do. That book's not living and powerful. Listen to me. That book is trash. That book is written by a man. I want to read this book that was written by the Holy Spirit as he used a man. Remember, the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostle. And these men were directed by the Holy Spirit to write these words down. And I know there's plenty of people that write books and they go, the Lord gave me this. Well, it didn't line up with the Word of God, so you need to give it back. It didn't line up with the Word of God. And if the Lord gave it to you, it would line up with the Word of God. 
And since it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it was a different spirit that gave you that book. And it was probably your own pride and your own esteem. We don't need any more books. We got 66 of them that people won't read. Biblios, basic instructions before leaving earth. Here it is. But our pride says no. So let's, I, I want to go to, you guys are, you guys trying to go home? Look at Psalms 119. I'm, I'm going to get verse 1 done probably. So Psalms 119, I was going to take you to Jeremiah and several other places. Jeremiah 18, you can read it later. The potter and the clay, and, and the potter decides to make something else uh, because the clay was marred. And then he rebore, he used the clay for a different reason. By the way, we were made out of clay. We are made out of dirt. Psalms 119, 165. Um, and then we'll go to Proverbs 4 if you're working on, what did I say? 119, 165. Just wanted to read this to you. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Self-deception. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs, one of my favorite books in the Bible, written by the wisest man who ever lived that wasn't God, and yet he was dumb enough to marry 300 women and have 700 concubines, and then he built three of those women false temples for their gods in his own land, and Israel never tore them down for over 300 years. They let them sit there. Listen, if there's temples in your life, if there's idols in your life, tear them down, burn them, put fire on them. They're not good for you. God's a consuming fire. He wants to burn them up. Go to four. I just want to read this for a minute with you. Proverbs is an amazing book that has a lot of uh, parallelisms. It has a lot of uh, um, statements that help you learn wisdom in life. And four, beginning in verse one, the first word is here. Why is that important, Greg? Because we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Why, Greg? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Why do people learn how to be doctors? Because they listen to people that are doctors. Why do people learn to be mechanics? Because they go to school and they learn or they get hands-on and somebody shows them and they learn it in a relationship with a car, with a mechanic. So you have to hear the word of God and then faith comes as you're listening to God, as you're pursuing God. It's no difference. And yet we say, oh, uh, I don't believe in God because, at what? because you're believing in everything else. And you don't want to hear God because you hate God without a cause. And it's just that simple. The Bible's clear on it. And when we wake up, we realize, wow, I hated God. I didn't know I hated God. But I had this sin nature that the devil gave me in his inheritance and it made me hate. Hear my children. Listen to this. Listen, this is Solomon speaking to his children, but it's the Holy Spirit writing. And you need to hear it as a little born again one. Because the Father has this endearment, this love for you. And he says, hear my children the instruction of a father. And it means the warning, the reproof, or the instruction, or the correction. Correction is a great word. He who hates correction is stupid, the Bible says. We want to be corrected. 
if you're going the wrong way trying to get to some uh, trying to get to your work where you work at started a new job i'm trying to get to work well dude you're going the wrong direction it's that way huh no it ain't shut up i'm going that way well you're never going to find it so the holy spirit comes and he says hear my children the instruction of a father a loving father don't compare it to a father that might have yelled at you. And give attention to no understanding. Here, I said it to my buddy the other day. He said, yada, yada. I go, I didn't know you knew Hebrew. That's what that word is. No, it's yada, yada. You know, when you're talking to somebody and people got this habit of saying yada, yada, because you already know. That's what that is. That's the word no. So when somebody says yada, yada, I say, you know Hebrew? I didn't know you knew Hebrew. It means to know. It means to find out, to understand, uh, to give attention, to know and understand. For I give you good doctrine. I give you good instruction, good teaching. And, and it means something that's properly received. It's fair speech. In other words, God has spoken. This is what he's saying in 16.1. I've spoken. I've given you good doctrine. I'm warning you what's coming. I'm telling you what's going on with your soul. And I'm telling you that they're going to hate you if you believe it and start living a life for Christ. They won't want to hear it. But the blessing in heaven is great. I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. Don't refuse it. Don't loosen your grip from it and say, ah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm pretty, comp I, I can do whatever I want now. I already said a prayer. When I was my father's son, and of course, Solomon being David, King David's son, a type of Christ. When I was my father's son, tender, weak, tender, soft, tender, young. And the only one in the sight of my mother, Bathsheba, born out of fornication, adultery. David broke every commandment. Sorry. He also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Now, the heart is the middle of you. So we're, not we're not talking about the pumping of the blood, but the spiritual blood that gives life through Christ. Retain my words. Retain uh, is to follow close, to take hold of, to obtain them. Find out what the truth is and walk in it. Keep my commands and live. Keep is to guard and protect, but, but live is haya. Live is haya. It means to revive, to recover, to repair, to save the whole. And that's the only way. You, without his words, you're going to die. If you don't have God's words, you're going to die. Because the living word come to earth and took flesh, Jesus. That's the living word, Jesus. He come to earth and took flesh and dwelt among us. What God spoke, come to earth and took flesh through a virgin birth. See, he couldn't come through a physical birth because if he had come to a physical birth, he would have inherited death just like we do through Adam. So it had to be a, a different father. So his father is father in heaven. And the Holy Spirit overshadows and she becomes pregnant. And now he doesn't have the nature that we have through Adam. And he could fulfill the promises of God and die for us and be a perfect sacrifice. So keep my commands and live. 
Get wisdom. Get understanding. I'm trying to move quicker. Uh, do not forget nor turn, turn away from the words of my mouth. I've spoken. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Listen, he's personifying wisdom as a person. Wisdom is Christ. Christ is the wisdom of God that come to earth and took flesh. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. There's earth, remember, we've talked about this many times. There's earthly, essential, demonic wisdom that's from down here. But then there's the wisdom of God that come from heaven, which is Jesus. And he came down and, and, and was born in a virgin womb. And, and he stayed there nine months. And then he was birthed and he obeyed his parents for 30 years. And at the age of 30, he became an itinerant preacher and went about preaching the kingdom of God. And because he spoke truth, they killed him. Even Pilate, the earthly government, pronounced him innocent seven times and said, I wash my hands of this innocent man. And the world said, give us Barabbas. Or the religious leaders, it isn't even the world. It was, it was the Pharisees and Sadducees. Even though the world seen, he had, he's done nothing deserving of death. He was innocent. But he came for this purpose, was to die for you and me and to take our place. So amazing when you start to really look at, look at it and put it all together. So we want to um, hear the words of his mouth. Get wisdom. It's a principal thing. It's the first thing. That's what that means. First in rank, time, and order. Therefore, get wisdom. And then 7C. And in all you're getting. Isn't that funny? It sounds like he's from Kentucky. All you're getting, get understanding. Understanding means common sense or intelligent. It's applying the word of God to your life. Exalt her. Put her in first place. Exalt wisdom and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver to you. What do we do? When we get to heaven, they take that crown off and we lay them at Jesus' feet. Because she's the one that's done all the work. We're just, we're just trying to surrender. It puts a crown of glory on your head when you listen to God's word. When you believe his word and you begin to live by truth, then you know what the language is in your DNA. Then you know what you're called for. Then you know what you're supposed to be doing. Then you don't have to stumble around in the dark and keep wrestling with everything, but you can be at peace with all men as far as you are able. Instead of struggling with everybody, Can't see. Where's my eyes at? Verse 10. Hear my son and receive my sayings. Here again, right there it is. Faith comes by hearing. And then receive them. Make them your own. These words I've spoken. And the years of your life will be many. It's not a guarantee of long life, but it's a promise of eternity. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. Look, verse 12, when you walk, this is generally how you're living, your steps will not be hindered. He's going to make your path straight. And when you run, you will not, what? Stumble. When you run, you will not stumble. And it means um, to waver or to totter. It means to become weak in the legs or especially the ankles. 
to fail or to faint. You'll not be overthrown. He's literally telling us the same thing Jesus is telling us in 16.1. Pay attention to my words. Take heed to it. It doesn't even matter if they hate you. You know what the Bible says? I think it's 16.3 of Proverbs. When a, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Isn't that amazing? God knows every man's heart, and he can make a man that was your enemy be at peace with you when your ways please the Lord, when you begin to, to surrender. And how do you make your ways please the Lord? You believe in Jesus, and he makes you perfect instantly, positionally. Practically, we're working it out. Thirteen, take four. Thirteen of Proverbs. Take firm hold of instruction. Don't play with it. Firm hold. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Oh, I heard the word the other day, and I was thinking about doing it. Take firm hold of it. Do not let go. Keep her, and she is. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep. Listen, listen, listen. That's why people stay up real late at night. They do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall, stumble. Unless they make someone stumble. That's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to steal your inheritance. He's trying to make you stumble. He's trying to, instead of following Jesus, which means be in the way with Jesus, he's trying to get you to be out of the way. An occasion to apostatize. The Greek word planeo. Someone to fall. That's what happens when you stumble, isn't it? Stumble and fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness. They drink the wine of violence. Notice bread and wine. That's the communion with wickedness. That's the communion with the unholy spirit. That's a communion with the spirit of Antichrist instead of eating the bread of his body and the wine of his blood and having communion with Christ and being uh, his bride. But the path of the just. Now you have the contrasting statement, 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun literally shining light that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. What's that mean? It means you're growing always. You're shining ever brighter. You get brighter and brighter. You're going to always be on the grow. The way of the wicked is like darkness. 19 B, they do not know what makes them stumble. They do not yada yada what makes them stumble. Why in the world do I keep ending up in the same place? Well, you're walking in darkness. You keep stumbling over stuff because you can't see because you're not allowing the light to shine into your heart, to shine into your life. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Notice the word of God can make you healthy. And then he says 423, and this one you guys have memorized before. Keep your heart, the middle of you, with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Everything about life is coming from what you believe in your heart, the middle of you. And if it's full of lies or darkness, it's not going to be good. But if it's full of Christ, you're going to stand strong. You're not going to stumble. 
Put away from you a deceitful mouth. You know, James says if a man could tame the tongue, he'd be a perfect man. Perfect man. What's keeping us from being perfect? We can't tame the tongue. Well, where does, the, where does that come from? The heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But it starts with the heart, the middle of you. When you get it right, then you're going to speak with wisdom. You're going to speak with love. You're going to speak. Sometimes, uh, if God wants you to, you'll rebuke somebody. James says, save some with compassion. Others save with fear, hating the garment defiled by the flesh. But God gives you wisdom in how to speak and when to speak and when not to speak. 24 again. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Why? Because you're following the light that's on your path. Ponder the path of your feet. When's the last time you pondered the path of your feet? means to roll flat, to prepare or weigh out mentally. That's, the, that's where you're walking at. That's where you're going to stumble at is on that path. You need to ponder it. Where am I going? What direction am I moving? Am I doing things that lead to life and godliness or to death and judgment? Am I spending time in the word, prayer, and fellowship? Am I growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ or am I dying? You, listen, you can't stand still in the kingdom of God. The Word of God is for people who believe in God. Listen, they don't question the Word of God. They might question the person that translated the Word written on the page, but you don't, translate, you don't, you don't, you don't question God. He's right in all of His ways. He's perfect. When you question Him, you're in trouble. Ponder the path of your feet. Where are you walking at? Where are you going? What are you doing that's making yourself stumble? Ignoring the Word of God. And let all your ways be established, firm. Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Ponder them. Don't lean on a God of your own understanding. Like all the programs want you to do. You'll end up stumbling and stumbling and stumbling until you die. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. And, of course, the absence of God is evil. It's not saying, don't go down there and witness to those people. Don't go down there where they're practicing evil. Listen to me. The absence of God in something is evil when you take God out of it. That's the entire world that lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. Let's take God out of schools. What's going to happen? Let's take God out of family. What's going to happen? Let's take God out of life. What's going to happen? You kill it. He's the creator and sustainer of life. He's the one that spoke the world into existence and then took mud and shaped it and breathed life into Adam. Did he have a belly button? I don't know. I don't even care. But did he have a belly button? My wife used to love to say, of course he had a belly button because God stuck his finger and pushed his belly and said, you're done. Remember the Pillsbury commercial? She would say that every time I'd say, did he have a belly button? I'm like, shut up. When's the last time you pondered your feet? How come I keep doing this? How come I keep going there? Why do they keep saying that? Why does that end up the same way? Remove your feet from evil. Let's go back to, oh, where are we at? John 16, 1. 
We almost finished that verse, didn't we? So listen, God's already spoken. He doesn't have to chew his cud twice. He doesn't have to repeat himself. It's already spoken. It's written in heaven and earth. His word is living and powerful. It doesn't change. The, the same thing he said in the garden is still as applicable today as it always was. If you do good, if not, sin is crouching at your door, Cain. Why is your countenance fallen? Why are you hating? Why are you mad at Abel? If you do good, listen, I mean, it hasn't changed. We always act like it's changed, and we got to, you know, like Andy Stanley. You know that nut, Andy Stanley? I, I hate to bring up names, but Andy Stanley? Psychopath is having in his church um, conferences on how to, how to uh, 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 train children to be LGBTQ. And, and how we can bring this all in together because God loves us all. God does not love sin. He died for sin. Sin cost his son's life. And I'm not trying to draw any attention to the LGBTQ. Sin is sin. And if you don't change your mind and agree with God, you're going to die. It doesn't matter what sin you're practicing. The enemy just wants you to stumble. <coughs> so back in our text have you heard the word of god is he speaking to you he will talk to you every day if you receive him and believe in him and the holy spirit will come in and direct you and lead you through the word of god so that your past can be straight doesn't mean you're going to be perfect we're not perfect we're being perfected But when he turns on the light, I was watching Michael Jr. Some of you guys watched this. I might have already repeated this. I was able to share it with other people. I like it. And him and his wife had their first baby. And the baby was like two minutes old and was just bawling its eyes out. And he said, and he's got it on video. You can watch the video if you go on Google Michael Jr. I don't know his theology. I'm just talking about this video and his comedy. And... Um, he says, it's okay, it's okay. And the baby quits crying because he hears a familiar voice. And then about five minutes later, they're doing something and the baby just starts screaming again. And he starts talking again and she starts calming down and calming down. It's Peyton, right? Is it a boy or a girl? I can't remember. Anyway, because um, they use that name interchangeably. The baby quits crying and he says, I love you. And that baby opens its eyes like this. It never opened its eyes and this is a perfect picture of God. We can hear his voice and we can calm down and go, wow, I hear God's voice. But when he says, when you understand that he loves you, he's not against you, he doesn't hate you, he's trying to help you, he's come to save and to seek that which is lost and lead you out. He's a light so you don't stumble in the darkness. When you understand that, you open your eyes and you begin to see truth and everything in a different way. On the way here, I was telling my, my grandbaby, we were, we're looking, the trees are starting to turn. It's my favorite time of the year. I got saved November 17th, 1997, and noticed the trees for the very first time. I was like, wow, look at them trees. But you know what? When they're dying on the outside, they're the most beautiful on the inside. They're growing the most. That's what it was. You go study it out when that chloroform is coming out of those trees and their leaves are, are dying on the outside and they look the most beautiful. They're actually growing on the inside more than ever. And though our outward man is perishing, right? 
the inward man is being renewed day by day. That's what God wants to do. And you're the most beautiful when you're dying. Christ is the most beautiful to me when I know he loves me and I know that he died for me and I know that he rose again and I know that he gave me life and I know that there's nothing I can do except trust him. That's the most beautiful thing in the world. Do you believe it? Has he spoken to you? You're not going to wake up till he speaks to your heart. Listen, I, I, I love that. No one comes to the Father except through the Son, and no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. So when you believe in Jesus truly and your eyes are open, guess what? You heard the voice of God, and you can hear it all the time. He's already spoken. He loves to talk to his children. It's a good father. Verse 2, 16, John, they... Those that hate will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Think about how, listen, think about how messed up a person can be and still think they're right with God, with that verse right there. Jesus speaking, telling us the truth that, that his disciples are going to get killed and the people that kill them think that they're offering God service, that they're serving God. Look how messed up you can be in your own esteem. Look how messed up you can be without the Spirit of God, without the truth of God, without the Word of God, without the heart of God coming to earth and taking flesh and waking us up. Look how messed up you can be. And the one that wrote most of the New Testament was one of those people, Saul of Tarsus. What was he doing? They thought that the way, those that following Jesus was called the way, because he was the way, the truth, and the life, was going to destroy Judaism, that it was false. And so Saul of Tarsus was a young, up-and-coming uh, uh, um, Pharisee under Gamaliel, and he was getting letters. He stood in Acts 7, he stood there holding their coats as they stoned Stephen to death because they couldn't handle his wisdom. They couldn't refute him. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And they stoned him. And what did, what did Stephen say when they stoned him? As he was dying, he said, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. What does that prove to us? That by the Spirit of God, Stephen had been conformed into the image of God. He had become like Christ who hung on a cross and said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't want them to get punished for it. He wanted them to have mercy. And that's the way the church is supposed to be. We don't want to go, give them what they deserve, God. Not good. Give them mercy, God. Because I want mercy. So I want you to have mercy. I want grace. So I want you to have grace. I want to be like God. So I want to give you mercy and grace. But the world and all these false systems and these false prophets of the churches that are apostate, they're letting people just stay where they're at, and they're teaching some physical thing that says, it's okay, if you believe that, just go ahead. It won't hurt you any. You already said a prayer. You're fine. No, you're not fine. You're going to hell. You're going to hell if you don't receive God's word, his instruction, because you're not believing in the right Jesus unless you believe in this word. The word commandment means an authoritative prescription for your soul. And we'll go to a physical doctor and take a prescription, but we won't take the authoritative prescription, the Word of God, which He has spoken. 
I was going to go over there. I'm not going to go over there. I was going to go. You can go. No, let's go over there. Never mind. <laughs> X. X. I'm looking for my notes. Where is it at? Acts chapter 22. I won't spend much time there. Remember, Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. It really wasn't about the apostles. It was about people who surrendered and allowed the Holy Spirit to work through them. It's always the focus always needs to remain on God. If you take the focus off of God, he leaves the room. Ichabod. The glory of the Lord will leave the room if you take the focus off of God. If it becomes on you, listen, here's the problem in the church today. A lot of times people will put the focus on the pastor. And he becomes a rock star pastor. It's the people that are messing that up. Because they would rather listen to a pastor than listen to God. They're afraid of God. But when you have a relationship, why would you be afraid of your husband? When you learn your identity, why would you be afraid of a God who came to save you? Why would you hate him without a cause when he came to help you? Because you were already lost. It's like, I've been lost in the wilderness for two weeks, and I haven't eaten in ten days. I had that one candy bar, and my goodness, here comes the search party. Hide from them. That's nonsense. You don't hide from the search party that's coming to get you. God came to seek and to save that which is lost. But we hide from him, just like Adam and Eve did. Where are you? Oh, we were naked and afraid, so we hid from you. What? How do you know that you're naked? Have you eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? They already knew good. They walked with him every day. But they learned of evil because they listened to the wrong voice that was spoken. They listened to the devil who was speaking. And they believed him instead of believing God. And it separated them from God. And men still do it today. Where did I say to go to? 22. Interrupted myself. I'm tired of that. 22.4. I just wanted you to see this. It's, it, Saul gives his testimony. And some people have a problem with it. He gives his testimony, I think, three times. And all three times he uses different Greek words. And he says different things. And people go, oh, he's contradicting himself. If you go look at it, he doesn't contradict himself at all. So, um, and anytime somebody tells you there's a contradiction in the Bible, you can tell them, look at them and go, you're a liar. I mean, serious. I mean, show me one. Show me a contradiction. Nobody can show you a contradiction. They can show you some stuff that doesn't line up, but it's not a contradiction. And if you search a little bit further, you'll find out that it's not even not lining up. It's actually perfect. Verbally plenary. It's a perfect word of God. There's some scribal errors, but nothing that's salvatory. 22 uh, is where Paul is giving his, he's speaking to him, he's been arrested for uh, sharing the gospel. He speaks to him in the Hebrew language, he gives him his, let's just read uh, 22, 1. Brothers and fathers, hear my defense, apologia, uh, before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Hear that? You speak to somebody in their own language, listen to me, they'll listen to you better. You meet people where they're at, they'll listen to you better. But don't ever think that that means that they're getting saved. All it means is, is that, that you're speaking to them in their own language. Without the Spirit of God there, then nobody's getting saved. No growth is going to happen. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, 
taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God, zealous toward God as you all are today. Remember, this is what he's saying. They'll kill you and they think they offer God's service. They're arresting him and they're saying away with him. Kill him, kill him because they think they're offering God's service. But at the same time, he used to be that way until he met God on Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. For I persecuted the way to the death. Some people say that Paul never killed anybody. He says right here in his own testimony, I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the council of the elders, for whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in change, even those who were there to Jerusalem to punish them. So that's what he was doing, and he goes on and gives this testimony. I'm not going to go through it. You can go read in Acts 26, 9. He's also given his testimony. He does the same thing. He wants you to know. And listen, that means he changed his mind. Metanoia, when he met Christ on the road to Damascus, anybody that meets Jesus is going to change their mind. You know, the church is full of people that haven't changed their mind. There's, the church is full of people that have not changed their mind. They're still going in the same direction. They haven't repented of their flesh, of their direction, of their love, of their want, of their desires. And you can't go with God and not change your mind. Because that's what he came for. To change your mind so you'll quit listening to evil and walking in evil. So they did. He says this, and Jesus tells them, and he wants you to know that people are going to hate you, and they may kill you if you speak the truth in love. I know we're calling it cancel culture, but it's really death culture. Because why? They want to kill the word of God, what God has spoken. They want to kill creation, what God has done. They want to kill salvation, what God is doing. They want to kill God. Therefore, they come up with all of these other solutions and all these other ideas and all these other false gods, and they start on page three. They can't tell you where the God came from or anything. They can't tell you evolution. Think about that. They can't tell you any truth about it. It's false. And if you question them about it, even the most renowned minds, they come up with nonsense. Because that's all it is, is nonsense. Science can be repeated. God repeats the same thing. He never changes. He's the perfect scientist. He is where all science flows from. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the perfect science. So, he tells them that most of your attack will come from inside, from people who are saying they're worshiping God. It's coming again. About 99% of the church is apostate. About, 99%, or about 95% of the church is receiving a bunch of evil and sin into their bodies. And they're going to say anybody that, that actually preaches the word of God is wrong. And they're going to turn against people that still preach the word of God. And they're going to have opinions like, that book is antiquated. That book isn't true. This is 2023. This is 2024. This is 2025. We're not following that anymore. Why? Because God didn't know? 
Why? Because he's God and he couldn't get us his love letter? No, because man hates God. And they fall for the lies of other men. Like Andy Sandy said, it said, jettison the Old Testament. It's a Jewish book. No, it's God's book. It's his story. It's his testimony. All of this is what God is doing to raise up a, 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 a holy nation, a royal priesthood, believer priest that would serve him. That's why the same word here, offer God's service, is used in Romans 12.1. And, he, and Paul is saying to the Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your logical service, your reasonable service. That's where the word logic comes from is logos, by the way, guys. Any logic in the universe comes from God speaking because you have to go back to where it started at. Page one, in the beginning, God you got a problem with that you got a problem for the rest of your life in the beginning god he spoke he's still speaking but he's not saying anything new it's coming again they're trying to kill God. Everything you see on the planet right now is trying to kill the government of God, the theocracy of God, and they're trying to be God. I don't have enough time to talk about that, so, but I just want you to know that. They have indoctrination stations where they've taken God out of them, the schools, so that they can teach all kinds of other theories that have no basis. You cannot repeat them. But they'll tell you. Here it is, page three. Tell everybody it's true. Tell everybody it's true. And if you don't, peer pressure. If you don't, notice he's warning his saints. He's warning his disciples. Are you receiving the warning? Are you learning and allowing the Holy Spirit to prepare you to go through whatever you need to go through and still be testifying that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead? Notice verse 3. And these things, why do they do them? These things, why are they doing this? Why do they hate God? These things, why are they killing people for talking about Jesus and they think they offer God service because they're so delusional. And these things they will do to you because they have not known. That's gnoskos. That's the intimacy. That's the marriage right there, gnoskos. They have not borne fruit. They have not known the Father nor the Son. So all they know is a lie. All they know is falsehood. All they know is the synagogues of Satan. But these things I have told you, same word, same word, la, le, o. When he said spoken above, these things I have spoken to you, same word could have been put there, that when the time comes, you may remember, did I do that word? To exercise your memory, to recollect, to rehearse, be mindful of this.
Remember that I told you of them. And these things, Tao Tao, I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Now, we'll dovetail into that next week in our next lesson because verse 5 obviously says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask, Where are you going? See, so he didn't share it, but he's going to share it through the Holy Spirit. There's a lot more that the Holy Spirit will do from the inside work. He's sharing the outside work, and then you believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, and now the Holy Spirit comes in when you believe him, and he begins to do the inside work, and he shares a whole lot more with his children who love him. But he's not sharing it now because they could not handle it until after, because remember what's going to happen, right? They're going to go, he's getting ready to go out through the lower brook Kadron, go across, go into the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to be betrayed, arrested, crucified, beaten, mocked. He's going to die. He's going to go in the grave. And they're all going to flee. Because if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. They're all going to flee. They're going to backslide and go, what in the world's going on? We thought he was the Messiah and he just died. He's in the grave. What's going on? Even though he had spoke to them. In three days I will rise. Wait for me in Galilee. They weren't getting it out of all the anxiety and confusion. And so they run off. And then when they come back and they meet him on the bank there. And they have a little fellowship meal with him of fish. Right? Then he restores Peter. And then the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2 upon them. And he begins to teach them. And now they stand up in their martyreos. Their witnesses. You crucified the Lord of glory. And they begin to accuse the very people that they were afraid of before. And they're not afraid to speak out. The, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells them, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and all or Judea, Samaria, and all the world. Uh, I did that wrong, didn't I? Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, Samaria, no, Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Still did it wrong. Somebody go read it. Acts 1.8. I'm sick, and I'm not doing good up here, people. It's time to quit. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for calling us out of darkness. Lord, help us not to walk in darkness. Help us have fellowship in the light with you. Help us to listen, Lord, and believe your word and not to trust in the lies of demons. Not to trust in the lies that we've been trained in, Lord, as we were raised in the world. Just as Moses was raised in Egypt. But he went out for 40 years in the wilderness with you. And he heard from you. And he was sent to save the Israelites. Thank you, Lord that you call us out and you send us to be a witness so other people can know that you're seeking to save them and you're not against them. That they would not hate you without a cause. That they would know that you're the only Savior and life preserver coming to save you from hellfire. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. 
Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?